Let us pray. Oh God, you tell us, Jesus tells us in the Bible that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. And that if the Son sets us free, we'll be free indeed. And so we pray, God, that you would set us free today, that we could make this our song, to say, I'm free, I'm no longer bound up. And, and we know, God, that that's a work that only you can do. So in these moments, God, as we've come together as the church, we pray that you would free us. Give us hope in dark places. Um, help us stand strong when we're feeling weak. And teach us today through um, the gospel, through your good news, what it is and what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to know that love um, that, is, that is greater than any love your love for us, God. I pray for each person in this room that they would know your love, that they would feel loved by you, that we would begin together to imagine how wide is your grace for us. In our messes, um, in our broken places, you have come to meet us through Jesus. So set us free today, God, we pray through him. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so happy to see you and welcome you to Providence Church. We're glad that you're here. A uh, special welcome to our online guests. We have several hundred people that join us on Sunday mornings online, so we're so glad that you all have uh, joined us here today. In fact, if you're a guest here today, I want to offer just a special uh, welcome to you uh, in the room. We're glad that you're here. We know it takes a lot to come to a new church, come to a new place. So we don't take that for granted. Just want to say thank you for, uh, for being here. Uh, we hope it's a, a great experience for you. After the service, if you're a guest, we'd love to meet you outside these doors. There's a place that says welcome guests. We have a gift uh, for you. Online guests, there's a way to let us know that you're with us too, and we will reach out to you. Also, uh, we would love to invite you to give financially to the church. There are many ways to do that online. As you can see, a bunch of you guys do that in a reoccurring way uh, each week or each month. Thank you. And if you came today prepared to give, when you leave after the service, there's baskets uh, at the doors where you can do that. Uh, I know what you're really wondering about, and that is the t-shirt. So this is our t-shirt for the fall, uh, where we're going to uh, share with each other uh, that we are free in him. And so after the service, uh, we've got a great assembly line out there where you can go and, and get our shirt. Uh, I see lots of other of our old shirts in here. And the reason we do this is just a way, when we're not connected or not in the room together, uh, for us to kind of uh, be together, right, to say, this is what I believe uh, I'm connected to this church. And we've had folks who've worn these shirts, you know, in amazing and critical times in their lives as a reminder of what we talk about here. So that's why we do that. So there's free t-shirts uh, when you leave today and they are super uh, comfy. And I love that I get to wear it today while I'm with you. I'm like, I'm in my pajamas. But anyways, uh, so I wanted to let you know that Rachel and I are leading a trip to Israel next year in May. And we'd love to invite you to uh, join us. We've already got a bunch of folks that are signed up, but we wanted to offer kind of another invitation as this is a good time to be thinking about what to do then. And so next Sunday after church, there's going to be an informational meeting. You don't have to sign up or anything. After the 11 o'clock service, Rachel and I will uh, be over here in the training room, and we'd love to just share with you about that so you can think about and pray about that. It, truly, it is a, a time where the, the Bible comes alive uh, in a way that is amazing. That's Rachel and I in Jerusalem. So it's like, you can join us there. It's awesome. It's going to be fun. Um, 
Our scripture this morning is from John chapter 11. We're continuing on uh, in John and in a story about Lazarus. And at the end of the scripture, I'm going to say this is the word of God for the people of God. And I'd love for you to say with me, thanks be to God. So here we go. John chapter 11 starts like this. We were here last week, but I want to start here. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been in there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he'd said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I had somebody say to me this week, things are going to get better. And it just really caught my attention. They, uh, I had been feeling uh, sick a few weeks ago, and it kind of been uh, lingering on. And somebody just said to me, hey, man, things are going to get better. And just one person saying that to me, I kind of like stood up a little straighter. I began to believe in a future that this guy uh, was, was believing for me. Things are going to get better. Would you say that with me? Things are going to get better. And now some of you are thinking, hey, man, you have no idea what's going on in my life. Stand up there and flippantly say, things are going to get better. You know, uh, isn't that very presumptive of me? And in, and in some ways it is. I am not supposing that I know what's going on in the depths of each one of your lives or each one of your hearts. But I'm saying this to you this morning. I believe it. And the reason is, is because I have hung out with Jesus for a long time. And so I believe that things are going to get better in your life. And I'm saying it from the authority of God's word. We read the Bible here. We believe it is an authoritative text for us. It has something to say to us. And what we read in the word we see is actually the truth. And it's the truth that sets us free. And in a world where right now truth and falsehoods are all kind of whacked out and it's hard to know what really is the truth, we come to God's word because it holds for us the truth. And I believe that it's telling us that things are going to get better. And I'm not a motivational speaker. That's not what this is. I think I would probably be uh, terrible at that. So I'm not trying to like turn your frown upside down. That's probably not even what a motivational speaker does. I don't know how to do that. I'm not saying this to just make you feel better or tickle your ears, right? Or, 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 or encourage you just for a moment. I'm saying it because I believe the life with Jesus means that you can have a hope in all things, that it's going to get better, that there are good things to come. And in this world right now, this is probably the craziest thing that we could say because it looks like the world's going to pot, you know? But it's not. It's not. Because God has the whole world in his hands. And things are actually, with Jesus, going to get better. I don't know what you're going through. I have no idea, right? 
But I know that this story, we see that Jesus is continuing to write ends to chapters and and beginnings to new stories that are better than the ones that we're presently in or better than the things that we are currently feeling. And I'm going to share with you why by walking through that scripture with you, okay? So John 11.35 says, Jesus wept. And I know that probably doesn't sound like the greatest news, but it's great news to know that Jesus cried. That Jesus, when he felt the grief of losing his friend Lazarus, saw the grief of his friends Mary and Martha, saw there was a crowd of people that had gathered together like we would in a community when we lose someone we love who wasn't supposed to die at this particular time and wasn't supposed to die in this particular way. Jesus wept. Going back a couple of verses to verse 33, it says, When Jesus saw her weeping, that's Mary, when he saw her crying, and the Jews who had come along with her also crying, He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. That means Jesus felt something. And and Jesus crying is, is the thing that gives us hope for the future. What I mean is, if Jesus didn't care... If Jesus doesn't feel anything when you're suffering, uh, that would be a different story than I know, so I don't know what that means for the future, but he does. His tears are the evidence of his love. Jesus' tears are the evidence, the proof of his love. I'm not just making that up. It's what it says in the story. Look, to bring up that next verse, Jesus wept and the Jews said, see how he loved him. So when Jesus cried, the people around thought, Oh my goodness, he loves that guy. Think of some of the tears you cry. What are they? They're evidence of your love. And Jesus, in his crying over Lazarus, is changing the game forever. Because the Son of God is shedding tears, showing that he he loves the people. He's not just a God that's far off and got everything spinning. And biblically, tears, we know, are not a stopping place. Uh, So often we feel stuck in our tears, stuck in our grief, you know, stuck in our shame. But biblically, tears are a thing that is leading to something what? Something better. Let me read to you from Psalm 126, one of my favorite verses about this. It says, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Do you hear what that's saying? It's saying our, our tears are seeds. With God, our tears are not a stopping place. They're actually producing something. They hold a purpose. Some of you have cried this week. Some of you have cried this morning. And your tears, spiritually, are seeds. They go down into the fertile soil of what God is doing, and they produce for us, sometime later, joy. With God, when we go out into the fields with our tears, we come back carrying sheaves of joy. And so we can be in a place where we're not feeling joy. We're crying. And those of us who have the truth can know, with God, this is not my stuck place. This is producing. Uh, It has a purpose for what is to come. Another verse that I like that shares this is Psalm 30. It says, you've turned my mourning into dancing for me. Can you imagine? Mourning flipping into, changing into, dancing. You've taken off my sackcloth 
and clothe me with joy. That God's going to take these hard times and turn it into a dance party, you know. I'm not a dancer. Like, I can't dance. I won't dance. Some of you are wishing that I would show you my dance moves right now. It's not going to happen, okay. This verse, what it's saying, though, is there is a future where we will be able to exalt and exalt God in a way that we never have before that will be like dancing. It will be dancing. I'm not dancing yet, right? But God can turn it into something. So we can be in a spot. You can be in a spot today that feels no good, but things are going to get better. But for things to get better, things have to change. This is where many of us will jump off the train. We, we want things to be better, really. We want things to be better in our lives or better in a situation. But when we realize that for that to happen, things have to change, we might say, I don't know if I can do that. This logically makes sense, right? You're in a situation, you want it to be different, you want it to be better. Well, that means things will have to change, but uh, change is hard, right? Listen to what Jesus says in the story. Jesus, once more deeply moved, so he's crying again, came to the tomb, It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance, and he said, take away the stone. Jesus is initiating what? A change. He's saying something is going to have to move. You're going to have to move the stone. Well, here's the deal. You don't move stones that are covering graves. That's not a thing. (laughs) That's like not a, I say it to my girls sometimes when they're proposing something. I'm like, no, 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 that's not a thing, okay? (laughs) Moving uh, stones from in front of graves, it's, it's not a thing. But Jesus is not doing a thing. He's about to work a miracle. So yes, we don't move stones away from graves, but Jesus does have the power to do what we can't do. Um, But in this uh, this moment, uh, there begins to, you can feel it, there begins to be a sense of discomfort rising. So for things to get better, things have to change, and change makes people uncomfortable. I'm going to say every syllable when I say it, okay? Uncomfortable. One of the reasons that we won't step into the change, we'll stay stuck. We'll stay in the thing because the discomfort of the idea of leaving where we have been, even though it's not that great, is too much to go forward on. So when Martha is is told that the stone has to be moved, she says, but Lord. And but Lord is a response that many of us give to God. So we're up for the change. We want things to get better, but when we hear the plan Jesus is initiating, we say, but Lord, and what follows but Lord is a very practical explanation of why we think that's a bad idea. So this is what she says. She says, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. She's already uh, framing, her life is already framed by the thing, the hard thing she's gone through, right? She says, by this time, there's a bad odor for he's been in there four days. She's just getting super practical. She's like, Jesus This is not a great idea. Moving the stone. My brother's been there four days. Um, There's a bad odor that's going to be there. And so Martha is feeling uncomfortable, not with Jesus doing a good thing. She would have wanted Jesus to do something. She, She said and believed that Lazarus would rise again. She said that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, that she believes that. But when Jesus gives the plan, here's what we're gonna do, the change, she's like, I don't think I can do that. But not only that, here's what I really want you to hear this morning, is not only will you feel discomfort and uncomfortable, um, but you you can probably push through that. But here's what I want you to hear. There are going to be people around you who are going to feel even more uncomfortable than you. Anytime you're going all in for Jesus, there are going to be people around you who feel 
uncomfortable with the change that you are proposing. And here's why. They have gotten used to you stinking. They've gotten used to it. They've gotten used to you being stuck. They've gotten used to you being in your junk, the people that are close to you. And you're going to feel this thing to get going. I know this sounds weird, but the people around you, closest to you, they're going to feel really uncomfortable because they've gotten used to you being in that place. And that's what, that's what Martha is saying. He's only been there four days, but she's like, brother is already in stinky territory, right? And, and she's not even open to that changing, and she doesn't want to get close to it. She doesn't want to be a part of the thing that Jesus is going to do. So when you, you just need to know this because a bunch of you are doing it. When you go all in with the Lord, with Jesus, I want to be a follower. I want the whole thing. You are going to face immediate resistance from some people that are close to you. And it's not because they're bad. It's just what we do. They're not going to be comfortable with the change that is going to be initiated in your life. And that's why the next part of the story is so critically important. Jesus will work the change in you. Other people will have to help you take off your grave clothes. So the good news is, yes, some people are going to be uncomfortable, but some people are going to help you. I have to tell you this. I said something last week in my sermon. Many of you are here. I said something that was not correct, and I did not do it on purpose, okay? I, um, you can go back on YouTube and watch it. You can verify. I said something that was not correct, and I just want to confess that. I want to tell that to you. Uh, so what happened is I was in the sermon looking forward to next week. So it wasn't a part of my notes. I was just kind of thinking, here's what we'll do next week. And remember, I said to you, next week, we're going to get to the place where Lazarus comes alive again, where Jesus calls him out of the grave. And I said, where Jesus says to Lazarus, take off your grave clothes. And I was pumped to tell you about it. I was looking forward to this week. And when I got to the scripture this week, I realized it does not say that Jesus said, Lazarus, take off your grave clothes. What it says is, Jesus said to to Lazarus, friends, take off his grave clothes. And there's a big difference. Lazarus did not have the power in himself to take off the bandages that were wrapping him up. Jesus had the power to bring Lazarus back to life, to do a resurrection in his heart, to get him back going, you know, to get him back moving. You know, he's walking out of this, uh, this, I'm almost dancing already, I'm walking out of this grave, but he's wrapped up in the bandages. His face is, he's mummified. And so Lazarus does not have the ability to take off the evidence of where he's been. The people that are there have to come alongside him and start unwrapping Lazarus. Just as an aside, because I wonder, I was thinking about it, it's like, has there ever been anyone who was able to take off their grave clothes? And the answer is yes. There's been one person, only one, who is able to take off their grave clothes. And John, the writer of this story in Lazarus, writes about it in John chapter 20. It's about the resurrection of Jesus. But listen to this. John and Simon Peter go to the tomb. It says, Simon Peter came along behind him. That's John. Went straight into the tomb, and look what was there. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. So... Jesus, I don't know what this looked like. I like to imagine it. Jesus is the only one who had the power to be resurrected in the body and then take off the grave clothes. It's almost the image of it as he folded them up and set them there. This is important. You need to know what happens with Jesus and what happens with Lazarus are different. 
Jesus is not Lazarus. He's not having a Lazarus experience where someone has called him out of the grave. He is God and had the power himself to stand up and take off his own grave clothes. So I digress. But we get back to uh, Lazarus, and he is covered up, and so he needs someone. Others have to help you take off the evidence of your old life. And so when you get born again, it's amazing. When you get dunked in the water, hallelujah. We've got a, uh, somebody in the next service, and we, we celebrate that. It is Jesus bringing them back to life. But you will need other people to help you take off all these things that you've been carrying that have bound you up. You can't do it on your own. And that's why, guys, you're in this room. That's why. Or that's why you're joined with people online, because the way to get those grave clothes off is the church. The church has a very important function, and it's desperately needed in this time that you are living in. And that is we can't just, um, you know, listen to a podcast, and we can't just take something in and think that we're going to be able to get all the junk off of us. It's great to be resurrected. That's awesome. That's kind of the deal. But the fullness of life, the freedom that comes in Jesus is when you're willing to come into life with other people and say, I need some help getting this stuff off. So super practical. I want to invite you men who are here today. On Thursday mornings at 6.30, we come in this room and we pray for each other. We, we, we talk to each other, we share, we pray for the church, but what's happening is we're taking grave clothes off. You don't have to sign up. You can show up here on a, on, at 6.30 on a Thursday. We will have coffee made, and you can come in this room, and we'll pray. Women, we have a Bible study that's starting in just a few weeks. Um, it's a great way to learn the Bible, yes, but also to connect with other people. We have small groups that are starting, married couples. This is a fantastic way to get some people around you, the church around you, where you can grow. Our discipleship groups are a new way. These are just three, four, five people that meet. Um, it's for everybody. It, I mean, it, you're like, that sounds pretty drastic. It is drastic. To follow Jesus is not just getting up. It's getting the stuff off of you so you can walk again. Care night starts next month. I'm just saying, listen, you know, uh, when the, the video is on, right, and hear about these ways that you can gather with other people. I'm saying all that to say. I believe that things are going to get better in your life because of Jesus. You don't have to stay stuck. Your tears are seeds that are producing for you a later joy that you can count on. That's what I want you to hear today. If you cried this week, you cried this morning, Jesus cries with you, and the tears are moving you to something better. Things are going to get better. And the way we're going to seal this deal, okay, today, the way we're going to focus our hearts is by saying together what we believe. So I want to invite those of you who are able to stand, and we're going to say together the Apostles' Creed as a way of proclaiming our belief in Jesus who has come. This is us as the church helping each other focus our hearts and remember. So let's say this together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. 
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated.